Genesis 33, um, I uh, gave the title uh, for this message, Facing God. Um, and of course, it gives us a backward glance to the chapter that I believe you covered last week in Genesis 32, uh, when uh, God uh, wrestles uh, through this form of a man with Jacob uh, and gives him a new name. Um, and uh, so I am facing that way, and now I'm also facing forward. That seems to be right, the main theme or motif is facing something. Uh, here in Genesis 33, uh, that of course comes, um, comes uh, out with fairly clearly how important it is uh, that God is faced in our life, but also God is faced up in our relationships. Um, in uh, Genesis 33 verse 1, I'm just going to read these verses. Um, in fact, I'm going to read the entire chapter. It's only 20 verses, uh, but I'm going to emphasize more than anything uh, kind of the first half. Uh, in Genesis 33, verse 1, it reads, Then Jacob glanced up and saw, behold, there was Esau coming, and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He put the female servants and their children first, then Leah and her children behind them, then Rachel and Joseph behind them. But he himself passed on ahead of them and bowed to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him, hugged him, fell on his neck, and kissed him. And they wept. His eyes glanced up, and he saw the women and the children, and he said, Who are these with you? The children whom God has graciously given your servant. He said, Then the female servants approached, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah also approached, along with their children, and they bowed down. And finally, Joseph and Rachel approached and bowed down. What do you mean by this whole caravan that I've met? So he said, to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. But Esau said, I have plenty. Oh, my brother, do keep all that belongs to you. Yet Jacob said, no, please. If I have found favor in your eyes, then you will take my offering from my hand. For this is the reason I've seen your face. It is like seeing the face of God. And you've accepted me. Please take my blessing that was brought to you because God has been gracious to me and because I have everything. So he kept urging him until he accepted then he said, let's journey and be on our way and I'll go ahead of you. He continued, my Lord knows that the children are tender and that the flocks and the cattle in my care are nursing. So if they are pushed too hard just one day, all the flocks would die. Please let my Lord pass on ahead of your servant and I'll move on further gradually at a pace suited to the livestock that are before me and at a pace suited to the children until I come to my Lord and Seir. Then Esau said, please let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, what's this? Let me find favor in my Lord's eyes. So on that day, Esau returned on his way to Seir, but Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built a house for himself, and for his livestock he made booths. That is the reason that place is called Succoth. So Jacob arrived in Shalom, in peace, to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padan Aram and camped right in front of the city. He purchased a portion of the field there, where he had pitched his tent from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. There he set up an altar, and he called it El is Israel's God. There we go, and that's chapter 33. I'm reading from the Tree of Life version, by the way, um, as you can see some of the differences in your, our Bibles. Um, we know right, that Genesis 32 is probably one of the most famous stories in all the Bible, um, for good reason. Uh, for a man to try to spend overnight avoiding his brother or anticipating the arrival of a brother that he's betrayed... Uh, and then wrestling with God for the entire night until daybreak uh, would stand out. Um, and for many of us, we're familiar with the story of Jacob, right? The heel grabber. Not the greatest reputation, 
right, for good old Yaakov to have. You know, heel grabber, he likes, uh, you know, he, and clearly the deception uh, of his brother, of his father, leaving, going to Laban, and then of course he gets a good old dosage of his own medicine. Yeah. Seems to run in the family. Yeah. Uh, good old Uncle Laban, the one you shouldn't have, you know, invited to Thanksgiving dinner. But, uh, and, and, you know, and, he, and he, he works there for a number of years. Um, uh, in many ways, he kind of tripled uh, his years uh, for, this, for his wife that he actually wanted, Leah, Rachel, and then all of his uh, livestock. Um, but the, he now reaches this point where all of this is coming to, right, it's all coming to an end. It, it's got to be faced up. Um, he's already dealt with Laban, uh, in fact, you know, this is, this is very much concentrically ordered, the, the passage itself. Um, it starts out, of course, with Esau. He has an encounter with God. He has an encounter with Laban. And the very center of the Jacob, of the Jacob story is all the children that he ends up having <laughs> with these wives. And then it unfolds in the same direction. Laban encounters God, and then here we are with Esau. Um, so the center of it all was God's faithfulness to still provide through this mess of a family yet more children. If we haven't, and I'm sure all of you have already noticed how faithful God has been up to this point in the book of Genesis. But it is all about the face. Very much all about the face. Um, right, I have a passage here that uh, besides, right, you'll see here facing God. The next passage, um, notice how often here the word face, and you'll see it there, um, is highlighted. Uh, the word before is the same as face. So five times in a single passage, the, it's the word pen. Um, we probably write a P-E-N. That's, that's for face. Um, the, the Hebrew Bible actually seems to have, really enjoys the importance of facing up to things. In fact, in the very beginning of Genesis 1, it says that the Spirit hovered over the face of the waters. Um, whenever, God, whenever you read a passage where God says, you leave from my presence, you're just saying, leave from my face. Um, even the word for surface is face in most of the passages that, that's translated Right, so they, were, they placed an emphasis on facing up, right, on everything that's revealed in the human expression on the face, both emotion and otherwise, um, is very much, right? And one of the most remarkable things about that is that we can't see our own faces. We can see everybody else's, but we can't see what our, we ourselves are conveying right, most of the time, unless we really are paying attention. Uh, and that's definitely the case for me. Um, but if we take a look at this passage, I just simply want to make an important point uh, about these two halves of the passage. Uh, first and foremost, when Jacob approaches his brother, this is after he's had a wrestling match with God. He's been remade. He's been given a new name, Israel, because he's a wrestler, a God wrestler. And now that he has that new name, he's ready to go face his brother. Now, of all the many things that he could do, he could escape. Right. Right, he was a pretty, right, he's a wily guy. He could find a way of getting out of this in one way or another, or just simply sending his caravan and saying, I had another appointment. <laughs> uh, I couldn't, couldn't show up today. But I have all these other things to give you. Now, it's definitely all arranged, the meeting with his brother, to butter him up right. on the way. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, to, and, 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 and it says he's ahead of the entire caravan. Two, three, where am I at? Three, four, five, six, seven. You know what I mean? Um, it's like, I'm perfectly submissive to you. That looked really weird. But I'm sure it looked, it did not look as weird to Esau because it was, you know, that kind of, that was pretty conventional back then. Um, and, and, and he's continually bowing to humble himself. 
Uh, and that's the first word that, that I, that's actually the main, main, the main thought that I want to emphasize is that to be remade and ready to face up to what God brings in our life. Remade and ready. So you can see why I'm kind of giving that backward glance to 32. These two chapters are in many ways to Jacob, the same encounter, but in two parts. It's one revelation in two parts. One thing is being revealed to him, both through his wrestling with God and through his wrestling with his brother. But it's a pretty amazing reversal here of what occurs. We remember Jacob before was pretty bold and a deceiver. Deceived his dad and his brother, of course, still his brother's birthright, pretty much. He could have given him the stew. You remember that story back in Genesis 20? The guy's hungry. Give him some of the stew. I mean, if it tastes bad, give, just give him the stew. Right? He, was, he was famished. Instead, he uses this ploy to steal the birthright. Same thing, deceives his half-blind dad, and then takes off. Then engages in this little war of deception with his uncle Laban. That would make a really good movie, by the way. That, right? Kind of maybe slapstick, but at the same time dramatic. Anyway, um, he, he, and then, um, all the while, God, you know he's, a reckoning is coming. Yeah. And, it, it, it's, and I think that's always the case uh, with God. And if we read over this passage again, after he approaches him with all of his family, he actually gets to see how much God has given him. Um, it says uh, the most dramatic part of it, I think the, the apex in verse uh, 10, yet Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favor in your eyes, which he actually repeats multiple times, that phrase, if I have found favor in your eyes, if I favor, find favor in the eyes of the Lord, if I found favor in the eyes of my Lord. I mean, he's humbled uh, for sure. Um, and he says, for this is the reason I've seen your face. It is like seeing the face of God and you've accepted me. Please take my blessing that was brought to you because God has been gracious to me and because I have everything. So he kept on urging him until he accepted. How do we know that Jacob has been remade and could encounter his brother, even in whatever way he did? And I, there's three things that I want to highlight in this next slide um, about this. Um, we know that he's already approached his brother with a new name. right? He's not Jacob, he's Israel. Even though, strangely enough, he keeps on being referred to as Jacob in the narrative after this, which I think is strange. When Abram and Sarai had their names changed, he was always referred to Abraham and Sarah afterwards. For some reason, it comes back to Jacob. And maybe that second half of the passage has something to do with it. He didn't quite get all his deception squeezed out of him. Um, and I think that's actually hopeful uh, as well for us. But he has a new name. And he has a new weakness. He's wrestling, boom, gets the tap on the hip. And now, so I guess when he was bowing to him, he was always also limping at the same time. It would look even doubly strange. Um, he's limping, but he also has a new power. It's almost like a power weakness. It's a weird, you know, weird to put it that way. He's got a new name and he's got a new power weakness. And I think a lot of it is captured in these, these, these three things that are up here. And I mean, he, show, he lines up all... I mean, he went there empty-handed when he showed up in Uncle Laban's place. Right. Now he leaves with wives, children, and livestock galore. Okay. And a couple servants who also bore children for him. And it, in fact, Esau notices this. and says, who in the world are all these people? 
don't tell me you actually hired all these people to look like your family, you know, typical of you, you know what I mean? No, you know, <laughs> um, you know who, who, how did you, how did you, you know, deceive all of these people in mass? Um, no, he said, no, these are the people that God has graciously given to me. Wow. The first step forward after he's remade is to step forward in gratitude. Yeah. And God has been incredibly gracious to me. And it it shows up there, right? In verse verse 5, it's already there. His eyes glanced up and he sees, who are all these people with you? Who are these with you? It's the people that God has graciously given to me. I mean, we talk about this quite a lot, you know, and in essence, it's always worth repeating how important gratitude, being filled up with all the things that God has given to us. Even while most of what we hear, both in media and often in our life and in our ambition, is scarcity. Right? is here, he cannot deny it once his brother has set his eyes on, this is your entire family? I mean, honestly, it would have been like looking into this room. So he's walking ahead of this crowd, bowing seven times with a limp, and his brother's like, who are these people? You know what I mean? He's like, you don't like my bowing? You know what I mean? But he's like, you know, who are these people? And he's, oh, these are all the people that God has graciously given me. And it is true. I mean, I, I can sit here very gratefully. I know all of you, my brothers and sisters, wow. my friends, and likewise. Uh, we, we have inherited a, an amazing right, set of riches, yeah. both in our relationships with one another in the church. But then also, surely enough, I could have very much felt like Jacob. I entered empty-handed. Yeah. Not close to my father, not all that close to my mother, certainly not close to my brother. And then one day I got baptized in Miami, Florida, and I gained thousands upon thousands of brothers and sisters. You know, and that's not necessarily, of course, to estrange myself from my biological family. But to see what a family can look like for the sake of my biological family. <laughs> that is a gift that I received from God. And are we ever renewed in that gift? Do we recognize how amazing that is? For some of us that have been raised in the church, we often can miss out on that. We sometimes see this is my weird family that I don't want to be around. Something. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's one immense Thanksgiving dinner that never ends. You know? um, all the feasts, all the times together. But it is a gift. For sure. You know, next, of course, he approaches his brother very humbly, as I said. He, he repeats, probably to the point where it was annoying. If, 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 I, if I find favor in the eyes of my Lord. If I find favor in the eyes of my Lord. If I find, it's like, can you please stop saying that? You know what I mean? Was, right? And bowing. I mean, but he was very much humbled. And I imagine... Our times of wrestling with God should cultivate that kind of disposition in us. I'm both filled up by everything that God could possibly give and at the same time humbled by that. And and he he said, I'm I'm so completely humbled by this. I'm going to approach my brother to make sure that he knows I do not want to deceive him this time. (laughs) Um, I'm approaching him with everything that God has given me. And I'm approaching him humbly. And as I approach him, I am pressing to give. I want to give. The word actually here for present, I think in some of your Bibles it says take my gift. In other Bibles it says take my present, which is kind of interesting. Um, and, but I think in mine it said offering, I believe. Uh, take, uh, yeah, well he also says take my blessing. Um, a very interesting kind of twist on here. Originally he took his brother's blessing. Uh, this blessing that I took from you all those years ago, which I guess is 20 years ago, roughly, two decades ago, remember that? I won't go back there. 
so I'll be giving you a blessing. <laughs> um, so, and you could see, just as persistent and sly as he was to take it from his brother, wow. he's now persistent and I want to give it back to you. I need to give this to you. And he's like, no, 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 I've got enough. Take it, take it. Why, why do you want to give this to me? Because when I look into your face, I see the face of God. The one face that I think, evidently, he was not allowed to look at that previous evening. Right? I mean, right as the evening was breaking, I think God was gracious to him and says, I'm going to wrestle you, I'm going to give you a little pop in the hip, but I'm not going to let you see my face. Wow. Which I think was behind, hey, what's your name? Tell me your name. Why are you asking my name? There's so many questions. What's wrong with you? You know, right, anyway. you know what I mean? He was like, <laughs> he's like I'm not, I'm not going to show you my face. And, and of course, that ends up, we know where this goes, right? That seeing the face of God or even encountering God is, I mean, Moses, of course, right? Is, is, his face is a flame, right? In, in Exodus 33, it's like literally his face is a tabernacle holding God's glory. Um, God wants to face up, right? He wants to be wrestling with his children. Um, and here, he not, it's almost like a double take. He said, last night I was wrestling with God. And now I finally see what God looks like in the face of my own brother, wow. forgiving me. Okay. I mean, an unbelievable, really extraordinary event. That verse right there, probably one of, easily one of the most powerful in, in all of Scripture. But the question for us here when it comes to our faithful practice, in what ways do I view my relationships that have come at a great cost? Because we know that either those relationships for which we've either deceived or been deceived... We've been hurt or hurting others. Either harden or soften. <laughs> right? Depending on our disposition. Um, right? For a long time, I was taught to harden my heart. Right? I mean, as a disciple, all, any relationship that's been hard, it hasn't come easy, there's always a temptation to harden and to lean away from it rather than lean toward it. I mean, actually, here in the Blue Ridge Church, I learned unbelievable lessons. I mean, when we had initial years and some of the, you know, the Bible talks that I was a part of, we were all about as different as, you, as I could possibly be in some of the Bible talks that I was in. I mean, completely different to the point where, like, I'm not sure how any of us are going to get along. Yeah. <laughs> like, completely different political views, very different backgrounds. Um, it, was, it was here. It, it was here that I was very much tested. I said, I don't know how to get together. Let's just get together and talk about the Bible. But we don't have to talk about any of our differences. You know? um, but it was there meeting week after week after week to find out what is it that will bring us together. Yeah. What is it through these gifts that this brother brings or that this other brother brings that could bring us together? I remember one brother was like, I'm just the big ugly toe in the kingdom of God, you know what I mean? And, and, I, know, you know, and I don't know what to do with people. And we kept talking and talking and working through it and he just realized he just wants to host us one day so we can drink beer or something like that. You know? and, and I was like, that's it? All of this head budding, and it was that. Yeah, I just wanted to host you. <laughs> ah! You know. Um, but usually it takes that long while because we're leaning away rather than leaning in yeah. to the relationships. And, it, and it's funny because probably in our, in, our, in our setting in the church and even in our community, most of us are not being chased around by persecutors with pitchforks. Yeah. You know, we're not every day facing the threats to our life. It's primarily we're facing annoyances. All right, we're facing nuisances, bothersome things, uncomfortable things. Well, to be remade by God, and this both even covers our own time of reading the Bible and praying, 
is to be able to actually step confidently back into some of these situations. Right? And say, I want to see God's face. I want to see it. Show me. And I'll step up. I'll bow down eight times if I have to. But we, it, we, it would be great for us to ask, right, in God's namesake and say, what are some relationships that now as a remade human being I need to reapproach? I mean, I honestly, at home, I've seen the face of God more than any other place. But over the years, I've seen every, all the forgiveness that I've faced from my wife, which has been a lot. I, it's, when I read this, it's seen the face of God when I look into the face of Betsy for all the ways that she's persisted to say, I want to help you grow. I want to help you grow in connecting emotion. I want to help you grow and not hardening or leaning away from these things. And all those places, it's been the face of forgiveness. And the kids, same thing from the face of forgiveness. Right? In our own homes, it starts. In our, whether brother's household, sister's household, in our dorms, we are facing the face of God if we're willing to step up with a heart that is humble, that is filled with gratitude, and that is willing to give. Not take, but give. Because we've got a lot to give. We have a lot to be grateful about. And this passage, I think, is one of those that shows it most powerfully. There's a reason why I think the story of the prodigal son um, in the Gospel of Luke is based on this, right? And in particular, on the, on the, in the moment when, of course, the contrast of it, the beginning of the chapter where it says, look, behold, he sees his brother coming with 400 buddies. Um, and it repeats CCCC three times. You know, it's one of those like ding, 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 ding in the movies where they completely, you know, zoom in. And they see 400 people, he's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but instead, his brother comes and falls on his neck, right, and kisses him and embraces him. It's almost exactly, right, how it reads in Luke, right, in the story of the prodigal son, when the father embraces, right, the lost son that has returned. Um, and that, it's inspired by this story. We would not in a thousand years think that his brother would show up and hug him like that and kiss him like that. And even be willing to receive from him again after knowing that he'd been taking from him so much. Yeah. Can we lay our hopes again and know that God can do something different? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than the same old, same old in some of our relationships. Are we willing to venture forth to do that again? Because we may very well see the face of God. Right? And I think as we move forward in this passage, there's a few other things to talk about in the, in the, in the last half. Um, he keeps on urging him, receive this, right, receive this gift from me, receive this offering. In many ways, actually, he's approaching him as God you know, by, offering, by giving a peace offering uh, to him, um, which is another pretty remarkable aspect of the text. But in verse 12, he says, then he said, let's journey and be on our way and I'll go ahead of you. So he's like, hey, we're together, buds again. I don't know if they were more buds, but anyway, you know, they're like, buds again, let's go. It's like, um, <clears throat> uh, about that. Um, uh, my cattle and my kids will get really tired if we walk. You guys seem to be like pretty brisk walkers, if you know what I mean. Um, uh, so they'll get really tired. Can we just maybe take a rain check on this one? Yeah. And he says, oh, I'll just go ahead of you. Yeah, just go ahead of me and I'll meet you there in Sayer. It's like, go ahead. I'll meet you out in Crozet. <laughs> Goes on out. It's like, peace. You know, and out. This is strange in the text. Like, they just had this amazing, you know, brother, I love you, baby. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? They're swiping their tears and snotting all over each other, whatever it is that they did. And, 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 and then, and then, he's like, oh, you're going to meet me over there and say, yeah, yeah, go ahead, bye, bye. Hey, let me get out of here. Let's go. 
goes to Succoth, and then goes to Shechem. I don't know what happened, right? We never hear from Esau again. Esau must have been like, typical, okay. I'm happy with what happened. I'm not going to think about the final day. I mean, he leaves his brother. It's like, what? Why? Why did you do that? Yeah. Um, it's really weird. He's like, I got to get going. Now, his faith, though, has been telling him the whole while, right? If we know from the previous chapter, that he needs to get back home. He needs to get back to Canaan. This is not about going with his brother anywhere. For, even though he should have just told him, <laughs> my faith has called me to go back to Canaan, to the land of my fathers. Uh, I, I need to go back. But instead, he's t- the same people, I, okay, I'll go with you. I'll see you in a couple days. Yep, didn't see him again. I, but there's something here that's, I think, remarkable, and I, I wasn't quite sure how to put it in the last slide. I think we had to face, face amazement, right? Um, to be amazed enough to know that this kind of encounter can happen in our life. Now, I think the example of Jacob is in some ways very hopeful because we see that this guy was far from perfect. After he was even remade by God, he still ends up pulling off this semi-deceptive, well, it's deceptive, right? Um, uh, Deceptive, you think he had a moment of glory there with his brother. And then he's like, I'll be back. (laughs) Um, Maybe some of us maybe feel this way. We'll hear this sermon and we'll be back to our old ways in a couple of days. Um, and, and does any of what happens in the verses that I just read undo what happened the previous day or the previous night? He's still a man that has a new name. And I think that's part of the reason why that goes back to calling him Jacob so often. To have this kind of amazing vision of God takes faith that is tested. He would not be called Israel unless his faith was tested, which is exactly what the name means. It's the God wrestlers. Imagine an entire nation of all the names that it could have been given. It could have been given the people of Abraham. It could have been given a lot of names. People of Isaac. But no, it's given the people of the God wrestlers. People whose faith is only made real because it's continually tested. And and this is exactly, of course, many was what happens with his life moving forward. Um, you know, and you'll see it as you go through the chapters. Unfortunately, it comes, you know, the deception comes out in his sons, unfortunately. Right? And he sees the consequences of his own life and his character on his children. But all the while, God is faithful. God is amazing even when we're waiting to have pure motives 100%. You know, so this vision of God... One of the most inspiring things about this passage, even though it ends with this Jacob being uh, back to his old ways in some fashion or other, but we know he's been changed. We know all in this room we've been changed by God. In this passage and the previous passage, God shows he's not into some cheap reconciliations. He will confront us, he will wrestle with us, and he expects us to wrestle with him. If anything, Jacob, he's tenacious. There are many in in our churches in Blue Ridge... And in Richmond, amazing examples of tenacity. Yeah. Yeah. We have people that have gone through the ringer. Yeah. And I, in fact, I'm looking at every row. I know everybody in every single row. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, every single person. I go by here. We have like a, a tenacious faith seminar. Right? Um, I can name some from every single, every single row. Wow. We have it. God has given it to us. Yeah. Just, we can say the same thing as Jacob. God has been graciously giving me so much over all these years. Yeah. 
But if we want to be filled with amazement, it does take this venture of faith to be tested over and over again. It's clear from Jacob that it had to be tested again. He went back to his old ways. So another test will come along. Thank God that he's not giving up on us. But if we want to have that, that, there's that one, there's a number of impediments to identify in our life. One is that one is waiting for to have 100% pure motives. We'd probably be the, I'd be the first person to say, as a spiritual discipline, cleansing our heart, we should always do that, right? Check our motives. Am I doing this for myself? Am I, right? Am I serving my community? Am I sharing my faith uh, simply out of duty, simply to please this or that person over here? Okay, we ought to do that. Will we ever reach a point where we are, we are convinced I am 100% pure in my motives? Now we know what Matthew 5 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We ought to pur- purify our hearts. Now Jacob, he saw some amazing stuff. That hardly qualifies as 100% unalloyed, you know what I mean, um, motives. Thank God. His grace is that abundant. (laughs) For us to wait to have 100% pure motives before we do something, it ain't going to happen. To break it to you, it's not going to happen. We should always revisit our motives and cleanse the heart. But let's not wait to give and to be humble and to be filled with gratitude because of that. Amen? Right? Obviously, anger and regret can very much keep us right from seeing the amazing things that God will do when we face up to what God's, uh, God is doing through our relationships. In fact, you know, an- another great account of the face with uh, Cain and Abel in Genesis 4, it actually describes him as, right, when God addresses him, he says, why is your face fallen? Well, why are you angry? And why is your face downcast? Right. And that whole account, same two brothers that don't want to face up, right, with one brother not wanting to face God. This is in many ways the inverse of, that, of this passage. Right? It's a brother who say, he says, why are, you, why are you angry? Why aren't you looking at me? Why are you turning away from me? He says, I, I can't face up to God and face up to my brother. And the more I turn away, the more murderous I can even become with my attitude and my heart, and in case, this case, his actions as well. Right? If we can check our anger, check the regret that we're carrying in our heart, we'll open up to God's amazing ways. We'll open up to it. Clever strategizing and plotting. The most awesome thing about this passage is that it all depends on faith. He couldn't control his brother's outcome. He had the caravan set up. He bowed seven times. He had the limp. Clearly, he may have thought, if I do everything right, I'll get the right outcome from my friend. If I reach out to them with such and such way, I'll get the right outcome. If I reach out to this brother or this sister, I'll get the right outcome. No strategizing can replace faith. It helps in many ways. But faith, tested faith, makes a difference. And even then, it won't control God. God did something incredible. And he showed that he was faithful. Our anxiety, whatever it may be, we can learn that anxiety, anger, clever strategizing, all of that can stand in the way of an amazing vision of God of facing up to God and seeing how awesome he is. Turn with me here to 2 Corinthians. I want to fast forward to end with this passage. Um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, um, 
there is, uh, I think, a great passage that highlights just how powerful a life, a broken life can be. And for many of us, we can identify just as, actually, Rashan and Devonda shared so well about coming to God in our own brokenness. Um, and this is great because all these themes fit together. What they shared, the life of Jacob and his family. In fact, the life of all the families in the book of Genesis <laughs> um, is the life of Israel. The life of broken God wrestlers. Uh, and I think Paul tasted that himself. It wasn't just about his hunger and zeal to uphold God's law. He was like that and was broken by Jesus and then led a life where he realized, I am, the more I experience this kind of limping, this kind of hobbling from God, the more closely I can see God's amazement. And he's not romanticizing suffering. This is not like, now I need to leave today and I need to find out ways of suffering. Yeah. I mean, it's devise suffering. You know what I mean? I'll eat half of my meals, only drink half a cup of water every day. You know what I mean? And I'm going to you know, bang my head against the wall two times a day so I really see what it's... No, it's not about that. All right? It's, it's about, it, maybe I will suffer when I am gracious, when I am humble, and when I am willing to give. Yeah. That's suffering Christ-like way. And we can see here 2 Corinthians 4, a uh, pretty amazing rendition of that. Uh, actually, sorry, in verse 6. Um, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, and what? The face of the Messiah. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, so that the surpassing greatness of power may be from God and not from ourselves. We are hard-pressed in every way, yet not crushed, perplexed, yet not in despair, persecuted, yet not forsaken, struck down, yet not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our mortal body. For we who live are always being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our mortal body. So death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. But we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. So we also believe, and therefore we also speak, knowing that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. That captures, I think, the life right, and the message of faith. In many ways, the entire Bible, but in particular, the story that we're looking at. Brothers and sisters, we're called to face God. God is always facing us. He didn't want to hide his face from us. Right? His precious and gracious face, the face of forgiveness, the face of new life, the face of beginnings. Right? And for many of us, maybe perhaps the day has come that we need to put something to an end so we can have something in the beginning. Right? Maybe the day has come where now we rather acknowledge, yeah, God has remade me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm a son or daughter of God. And I'm not going to lean away from these relationships. I'm going to lean into them. Even if I mess up. Even if I mess up over and over. Even if my motives are, I can't even figure out what they are. I'm going to go in there. I'm, I'm going to get there. I'm going to go. I'm going to step onto my campus. I'm going to step onto my workplace. And I'm going to go in there as somebody who's wrestled with God. My neighbors will know. Not out of arrogance. But they'll know that I'm somebody 
who has wrestled with God, who's working through with God, who's learning to have faith and see God in, in, in all, all over the place. Yeah. I'm going to do it. That's what Jacob did. He was limping and messed up. And he said, I'm still going to go there, 400 men and my brother, who I hadn't seen in 20 years, and the last time was not a good encounter. Yeah. I'll go back there, and I'll see God's face. Perhaps so. And let's have our, our faith out there willing to be tested so that our new name is always brought up again and again and again. We're not our old selves. If any of you are feeling, I want to get rid of my old self, maybe today's the day to grab somebody near you and say, I want to be remade. I want to be ready to step back and step into my life that God has given me because he has given me so much. Yeah. Let me give. Let me urge the giving back even to those that I've deceived, to those that I've sinned against. Only this God, the God that we worship, is the one who can open this up. All the false gods of the world that promise salvation will not do it. And we can identify whatever impediments they are, maybe anxiety, maybe anger and remorse from things that I've done in the past. That could have easily stopped Jacob. That could have easily stopped Paul. Could have easily stopped us. But we are tenacious people. These two congregations are a light to this area. We are the God wrestlers. We are those who can shine a great light here and help many face God and rejoice in his blessings. Thank you and to God be the glory. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Seth Mitchell. And if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, you can go to blueridge.church or join us at Burnley Moran Elementary School at 7 p.m. Wednesdays or 10.30 a.m. Sundays in Charlottesville, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.